everyone. It's me. It's Marlon. And we're back here at Marlon's Corner, the pop culture podcast in under 30 minutes. You know, we hit you with some of the good, the nerdy and the geeky. And we give you something to talk about when you're at work with your friends, with your crew. And I know we've been gone for a minute but I'm so glad we're back to normal schedule as usual, releasing every Friday, recording on Mondays. We're getting back to the swing of things, and I'm so glad to be back here to talk to you about uh, some of these shows that just came out. We're starting off with The House of Dragons, which is a prequel to Game of Thrones. Uh, and it's a prequel starring the likes of Matt Smith, uh, who, if you're a Doctor Who fan, out the gate, you're already sold. You got Matt Smith in it. You want to check it out. You want to give it a gander. You know, you got Emma Darcy. You got Reese Fonz. You know, you have uh, Steve Toussaint. You have these really amazing actors in this and actresses in it. And it's great. It looks great. But you can't help but remember uh, 2019, the final season of Game of Thrones, delivering um, a truly piss poor season. So going into it, myself in particular, I uh, came at it with a lot of skepticism uh, and just very low expectations. And I can say that I was pleasantly surprised by how well things started off. It's great that they kind of held on to some of the things we enjoyed about Game of Thrones originally, um, particularly being the strong writing around politicking. You know, we loved Varys being in the garden with Tyrion and talking about murder and discussing uh, breaking oaths, uh, all while just having this very low and great dialogue with one another, and it really allowed for great atmospheric uh, choices to be made. And in this show, so they pick they picked up on what we enjoyed about uh, the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, and they give us that in a very uh, amazing way. You know, we get the butts, we get the boobs, we get the sex, which of course is Game of Thrones. We we, we kind of expect that from them, but we also get uh, great combat. Of course, by great combat, I mean it's you know cut to hell with all these different cuts going on, but it's at least entertaining. It gives you that, and of course, we're also there uh, for the dragons. We love the dragons. We're there for the dragons, and we get to see them again and it's just uh it's a fun reminder of where we were you know when we first started game of thrones it kind of gives you that nostalgia feeling of like oh this is how it felt to start that first season and you just be amazed by this world building uh and the benefit being that you get dragons immediately instead of having to wait for these dragons you get them off rip uh and it's great that you know this prequel chooses to focus on the house of targaryens there are many great houses you know you got dorne winterfell uh the lannisters uh the baratheons you have all these other great houses but the houses that the house that we all came to see and that we all came to love has been the targaryens because of what they're dragons and so now we got an opportunity to see that majestic house themselves with their silver hair and we get a chance to see them we get a chance to see these dragons get a chance to see them being rode in the first episode uh to see them breathing fire to see them uh really uh giving us the backstory around king viserys uh and his daughter uh princess 
Rhaenyra and just this, the sacrifices that go on with uh, the king wanting to have an heir uh, and choosing to uh, ultimately make a very fatal decision for his wife and unborn child and sets him up to be at odds with his brother, uh, Prince Daemon Targaryen. And we kind of get this... Um, very clear-cut decision of who our protagonists and antagonists are going to be. It's King Viserys and Princess Rhaenyra versus Prince Daemon Targaryen. We kind of get that feeling off the bat. We, of course, also know there's probably going to be some political intrigue uh, going on in the background where people are going to side with one other Targaryen or not, but we at least get uh, the battlefield drawn out. And thus far, the episode ended on a very high note. You know, it's still on a high note in terms of like, you know what? Maybe there is hope for this series. Maybe it's okay to have some higher expectations than usual. Uh, and apparently that's what everyone else felt. This show had the largest premiere in HBO history, uh, getting up to 10 million views uh, when it dropped. So, obviously people were excited about it they want to come back to Restoros uh, and a lot of folks are hopeful that we're going to get a much better Westeros, a much better Game of Thrones written show and hey, here's to you all Here's to y'all making it happen. And I got to say, hey, you're leaning in the right direction. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen next. It looks great. And I'm wondering how many other Easter eggs are going to drop of so-and-so's name. We already saw Rickon from Winterfell. We already saw a couple of Baratheons. We saw a couple folks from Dorne. It's very interesting if we're going to see a couple of more folks pop up. It is, again, 200 years before uh, all the Game of Thrones nonsense that we all grew to love. So it's very interesting to see if we're going to see some grandparents or uh, from other characters that pop up in here and see what they do. And we also got a great opportunity to see this. um, We got a chance to be reminded about how wronged we were in this episode, the first episode of the House of Targaryens, where King Viserys is telling the princess about this... um, this oracle or this this soon-to-come prophecy of the North being overrun by great darkness and having to unify the realm and a Targaryen must be on the throne. And I'm sure writing it felt great, but it just reminded us as how terribly shitty that last season was where none of that mattered, where it didn't matter that there was a Targaryen on the throne because the War of the North ended so quickly before Daenerys could even be crowned on the throne. So it just kind of reminds us, oh, right, they did. They kind of fucked this up for us. They, they messed up this entire last part of it. Maybe you should have included that because it just kind of brought back the feelings of like, oh, they wasted that last season by not even connecting the prophecy that we kept hearing about there being a strong need for a Targaryen to be crowned. So that, I think, was like the one, uh, like, uh the one bigger mark of like, that's a big negative for me. But overall, it honestly is, you know, it's a, I give it a six or a seven. You know, it was entertaining. It got you back into Westeros, got you back into the world of George R.R. Martin. So, so far, so good. And we'll see what they bring uh, next down the line because they are going to be doing episodes every week. So once again, we can, we can look forward to sitting on couches everywhere, breaking open some mead and uh, pouring one out for the homies in Westeros. So look forward to that every week on HBO Max. All right. And next up, we're going to go right back to our 
our favorite Netflix and talk about a show that really got me excited uh, on the offset when I saw that they were talking about it, which of course is The Sandman. For those who don't know, The Sandman is a graphic novel uh, that was written by Neil Gaiman, and it's this kind of like dark fantasy world that combines mythology and also fantasy, uh, and it's a a couple of volumes of a graphic novel that follows the children of the endless, particularly uh, Dream of the Endless. And the Endless, I guess to describe them would be these beings that were created by the creator with specific roles. Dream, of course, is the ruler of the dreaming. Um, all creatures dream. He is responsible for making sure that their dreams are cared for and curated in a certain way. That means creating more dreams, creating nightmares in a way to motivate man to look more inward and be better. Uh, he of course, has or it has siblings. All these, uh, all these individuals, the endless, get a, a chance to kind of pick what they look like, and they choose to look like he's or him's or they's. Uh, and Dream, of course, has, has siblings. Dream has um, despair, which. Of course, they're responsible for despair of the world. Delirium. Dream also has a sibling named Desire and Death, Destruction, and the prodigal one, Destiny. So those are the children of the endless. And the Sandman graphic novel series, we kind of focus on Dream and how he initially is captured and mistakenly captured. Uh, they're trying to capture his sibling death in order to get bestowed upon a gift uh, to avoid death and give long-lasting life and all these other great things. Uh, and honestly, the series beat for beat follows the same storyline from the graphic novel. Um, it, it, it may you know skip a few things and fast forward a few things, but the graphic novels are also a lot. There are a lot of them. So I wouldn't even imagine they'd get through all the graphic novels in just 10 episodes. Um, but Sandman delivers, I think, really amazing uh, content, you know, and I, it has to be said that the cast of the Sandman series also did an amazing job of delivering these characters. I mean, you had Tom Sturridge as Dream, uh, you had Vivian was Lucian, you had Mason Alexander Park as Desire, uh, you had uh, David Twells as John D. you had the Fates in here, you had just such amazing cast and crew, Boyd Hallbrick as the Corinthian, uh, and just to name a few others, but it was top to bottom a great choice of a crew to be a part of this show. And I know a lot of folks were a little upset that there are some characters that were gender flipped or race flipped, but in all honesty, didn't change a lot of the story. It'd be one thing if the race of the individual was dependent on the story, you know, where like, great, this person has to be this race because their character is tied to a specific moment about them being this particular race that ties the whole story together. But with all these characters, it really doesn't matter. Rose Walker uh, being black doesn't change her story at all, nor does her being white change her story. It was a choice they made artistically and it worked. This character came across as sincere and confused and strong as the character was in the graphic novels. If anything, I think the 
best casting choices gotta be Mason Alexander Park as Desire. Uh, it was the perfect amount of menacing and seductory you'll get out of a out of a character there. But all in all to say, you'll have a great time with this series. And it, I believe it's also going to inspire folks to go out and read the graphic novels to check them out because they tie in so many things. And you'd be surprised actually that the Sandman um, graphic novels are a DC comic and they tie in worlds from Metropolis to Gotham City. Uh, and if you read the comic, you might even get a chance to hear or even see certain superheroes uh, appear in the graphic novel because as dream story is occurring, their world is also coexisting and the same plane of thought as them. And it's just really cool to read a chapter and see a character and be like, oh my God, I can't believe they exist in the same world. Um, and it's important to know that for this series, they, of course, made the decision to not include that. They made certain to say, hey, we're actually going to just avoid trying to hitch ourselves to uh, DC. We're going to try to be as independent as, as possible and focus more so, of course, on Dream and the characters that are within the Sandman. So you won't see the Justice League. You won't see Etrigan. Uh, you'll mostly just see characters that exist in this universe uh, isolated from the DC universe. But it still is a story that honestly doesn't even need it. If anything, it was more or less flavor that it took place in Metropolis or it takes place in Gotham City. It was just kind of there to kind of remind you, oh, this is a DC property. When you go into it, though, you're going to have a great time watching it. The stakes are beautifully high in certain areas. The tension is there. You get a chance to really dislike Dream in the beginning because Dream is an immortal character. And he's very jaded by his job. Uh, quite honestly, Dream had... They decided to listen to Beyonce's latest album, you know, You Won't Break My Soul. Maybe he would have had a much better experience in the realm of man. But, hey, that's either here nor there. You'll get a chance to see this very emo character, be emo, be really uh, upset, and the world is against me, and I have an important job to do, and... Uh, I'm super, I'm super tired. I hate my job. And you get a chance to see him interact with that and have people tell him, hey, like, that's cool that you don't like your job, but it's kind of important. And also, like, we need you to kind of not be a dick about it. We need you to step up and forgive people and remember that they're human at the end of the day. And you have to give people graces. And you get a chance to get into that. And you also get a chance to see some amazing uh, animation. They released a really beautiful last episode about cats which is a cat person I thought was hilarious and I loved it. So the last episode also gives you a chance to see that they are absolutely pushing for uh, another season with Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer Morningstar potentially leading uh, the kingdom of hell on some kind of extracurricular activity uh, to anger uh, dreams specifically of the endless. Uh, all in all, it was a fantastic show. Another bow uh, on the bonnet of Netflix. Uh, they keep picking up these great series uh, to put out there, you know, from The Witcher uh, to uh, Stranger Things to this. Uh, they're really, when they hit, they hit hard. And so far, I think this is going to return dividends for them. Uh, and it also was, had a real big turnout on Netflix for them on the other end. They were happy to see that people were really into the show. And of course, that means that 
we're going to get more of it. So definitely uh, strap in for for that and just know that we're going to have a great opportunity just to really see more of this particular show, more of this. Uh, it's almost macabre at times, but it also really aligns in this dark fantasy that also ties in religion and mythology in a certain way to explain why things are all the way they are and how dream and the dreaming are at the center of it. And I just, I loved everything about it. I loved the ending. I loved Unity Kincaid. Uh, I love the fact that we had this young boy uh, who, in the, in the in the graphic novels, the, the young boy that is in danger, that is kidnapped, um, doesn't really have a lot of dialogue. Uh, Jed Walker doesn't really do much in the in the comic. He gets beat up, then Dream bursts into where he's he's getting beat up at. Is very linear, focused on one thing, not on the kid. Gets the 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 hap, just so happens to you know harm and murder the families that's being mean to him, but all in the pursuit of getting a specific nightmare. And then the dream just leaves him. And the kid is like just jaywalking and gets picked up by the Corinthian who puts the kid in the back of the trunk to basically murder later on, but doesn't get a chance to do it because the dream finds him and the kid gets found by his sister. And that's kind of how that whole thing wraps up. But in here, we get a chance to have Jet play a more integral part to the story. We get a chance to see that he and his circumstance are his circumstances so jarring and so terrible that it converts a nightmare into a dream, which I think was an amazing concept for them to decide to change up because it truly does come into question. If your every waking moment is a nightmare, how like what does a nightmare do for you? If if the real world is worse off than what your dream is or, or, or what your nightmare is, then it doesn't really serve a point. And that's kind of where the dream is kind of getting his basing on like, great, I'm sending you nightmares to kind of make you a better person or to kind of drum up these fears in you. But if your everyday life is as ghastly and terrible uh, and you go to sleep, like it doesn't make sense to give you more, especially if these nightmares have thoughts and feelings and he converts a nightmare into a dream. And that dream then wants to create a special little quartered off world for this child of trauma in order to protect this child. And it's just amazing how they just kind of ran with it. And me being a black man and seeing this little black boy just being beat up and threatened and just in harm's way, I couldn't look away from the screen and I was just so concerned. And even though I knew that, hey, reading the novel, I know he's going to be fine. I was still like, what are they going to put this kid through? Because this is terrible. But I just kept watching it. And I love that by the end of it, this child has an important arc in this story, as do most of the characters in the series. They have an important arc in the story. I feel like in the comics, uh, Dream more or less chooses to take people's advice. You know, if he, if he doesn't need to take it, he doesn't take it and he'll move on. And maybe it'll come up later in the in like the volumes and he'll be like, oh, they were right. But it's very it's very, you know, if that, then this. Whereas in the series, the humans he interacts with everyone gives him a nugget of, hey, 
here's a piece of humanity for you. You've been away for a hundred years um, because you saw the worst of humanity. Here's a reminder of like, here's our kindness. Here's our love. Here's our determination. And you get a chance to see this character go from brooding to smile brooding, which is, you know, an improvement within the character. So that honestly was a great addition to this story. And if you're a fan of the graphic novel uh, or if you're someone who's interested in it, definitely check out the show. Give it a watch. All 10 episodes are out. Uh, it's really great. It has an amazing cast. And I can only imagine they're going to bring more uh, for the following season. So check it out before it becomes the new Netflix hotness and you're too far behind. And lastly, folks, as we wrap up this episode back from our hiatus, I just want to remind folks uh, that there's no such thing as quiet quitting. There's no such thing as quiet quitting. Uh, what that is, is just boundary setting. If you are someone that's decided, you know what, I'm going to come to my job and I'm going to do what's required of me via my job description, there's nothing wrong with that. There truly isn't anything wrong with that. I, I was surprised to hear that quiet quitting was a thing because in my mind, the definition of it was like, oh, just doing your job and not letting people take advantage of you. It's a very simple thing, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm 30 years old and I remember the time being a young 20-something where I assumed uh, that, cool, if my boss asked me something, I just say yes and I do it. Because I was young, like, great, like, I'm young. You're like, oh, I guess this is how jobs are. Even though that's not within my, you know, occupation, you're asking me for it. So I guess I should do it and not expect any compensation from it. Which, hindsight, terrible idea. You should always be paid for the work you're putting in. There should be no freebies. There should be no, oh, you'll do it for the exposure or you're doing it for the experience. If you are asking more from me than what I'm expecting from you is more cash. So there's no such thing as quiet quitting. I want there to stop being articles about what quiet quitting is and how to talk to your employees about it. Because literally it's just like, hey, if you feel like your employees aren't you know, going, quote unquote, above and beyond, you should really rethink what above and beyond is. Or are you asking them to do something outside of the work hours that's above what they're supposed to be doing on top of some extra work? And if you're asking all that, are you asking all that with the expectation of there being no money given to them as well as there being no support or systems to you know help them get this thing? If all those things are no, then, hey, you're doing too much and you shouldn't expect people to, do, to work for you for free. It's very simple. The world is changing. People who have jobs are being like, you know what? I have this job. I'm excited about it, but you're not about to take advantage of me. And that honestly is fine. That's just, that's a-okay. And if anyone tells you anything different, hey, you know, maybe it's time to just put your head down, do your job, and see what else is out there for you. What else is out there in the ether that's, that's high right now? Because maybe it's not the space for you, you know? But folks, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up today on our episode back from our hiatus. I hope you had a great time watching. I hope you had an amazing 30 minutes. If you put something in that uh, crock pot, you should probably check on it right now. We'll catch you next week with more things to discuss in the corner on Marlon's Corner. See you next time. Bye-bye. Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.